Hello and welcome to episode three of Three Questions with Jeanette Wallace. I'm your host, Jeanette Wallace, and I want to give a big shout out today to the people at Intuitive Public Radio, and hopefully I will figure out the technology to put the link to that. There is a link to my um, page, my Telegram page, which I'm still struggling to figure out. And I just really want to thank Max for for turning me on to Telegram. You know, Telegram is actually how they were able to organize the huge protests in Hong Kong, by the way, I found out from my friend. Um, So it's a really great resource, and it's all completely run by survivors, basically trying to help other survivors to survive. (laughs) And it's something that's so necessary because you know, our, our social structure has really crumbled. And I've seen that firsthand in my own story, becoming disabled from the railroad two years ago, and thinking that there was a a safety net that that I would be able to get help, you know, were I to come into an accident like that, which I was injured on the job through no fault of my own. And I had long-term disability insurance, which uh, they cut me off last year. I think I talked about that a little bit before, but, but um, you know, trying to get food stamps even, you have to go through, well, first of all, you have to give up all your medical records. You have to go through a four-hour psychiatric exam. No kidding, I had to do this at my own school in my own department of psychology for food stamps. And so the state was able to get all of this data on me And yet, in the end, they were not able to help me at all. Um, I couldn't get food stamps when I was a student because you have to work 20 hours a week to qualify, which I couldn't because I'm disabled. (laughs) So so anyway, you know, I've been trying to figure out, rack my brain, come up with ideas uh, how to make money while being essentially bedridden. And um, and so Max reached out to me on Twitter. because I'm pretty active on the chronic pain community on Twitter. And she said, hey, you know, we have all these people where we're trying to figure out how to get help to the people who need help, who are falling through the cracks, and particularly disabled people. Um, it becomes very clear that, that, that really people just want you to die as quickly as possible. And and it's it's hard for me to say that because i i always want to think the best in humans and but in <clears throat> trying to to reach out and find the humanity and the you know the caseworkers and the social workers um i couldn't do it for the first time in my life i couldn't get them to see me as a human being so one of the discussions that we're having is how to network people and particularly people of wealth who perhaps want to help people like me and people who are involved in in building this network on intuitive public radio, but they don't know how. And really, they don't trust people. Nobody trusts anyone. I've seen this a lot. And it wasn't that way 20 years ago. I don't know if it's the internet. There's probably a lot of factors. But, but, um, you know, to me, people of wealth, uh, it's, it's luck, it's circumstance, it's it's how you were born. I don't see them as being any different from me. Um, and so I think that that we can connect each other and and help each other because when you help people, it really is helping you. And studies have shown this time and time again. 
you can have empathy, you can feel badly for people, but that's usually where most Americans I've seen stop and they don't go that extra step, uh, which is really the definition of compassion is not only having that empathy, but actually reaching out and helping people in very real ways. It makes you feel good about yourself, you know, and it's, it's sad that we don't have many opportunities to do that in life anymore. <clears throat> so why should you care about voices like mine? Like, why does someone like me deserve a platform? Why do disabled people deserve a, a platform? And, you know, I've been trying to, to figure out how to explain that in, in a way that, that people can understand, like, why my life is important. I took statistics a couple semesters, and one of the things that stuck out to me, which they probably weren't really trying to teach me, but but the outliers are statistically significant, and they can actually influence the entire bell curve. And so it's really important to look at outliers like myself and other weirdos, <laughs> people that that want to change the world. And I don't mean like the YouTube type people that those kind of weirdos. I mean, I mean, superheroes, right? I mean, we can see that in every aspect of the superhero, the, like, the mythology, the Joseph Campbell, the archetype, like we can see that these weirdos are really the kind of people that, that make change happen, that make new ages happen, that, you know, can create a renaissance. And we idolize now, this is so strange, now we idolize the, super, the people that are playing the superheroes and giving them the platform when they're just actors. And it's so ironic because I started out my career in my early 20s in school and, you know, in life wanting to be an actor. And I probably would have made a bigger difference in the world had I stuck with that career. It's kind of sad. <clears throat> so uh, this is called Three Questions with Jeanette Wallace. And I do have some questions. So let's move on. Let's see. If you had the resources to harness your superhero energy, what would you need? Well, um, I want to do this documentary really, really bad. I don't know what it's going to look like. I just know that I need to get out there and talk to people and find out what's going on in America. So I would need stuff like RV and, and I would need my bills paid and, and a production team, hopefully. Um, I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, it would also be nice if some of the people who played superheroes would step up and maybe help the real superheroes out there, <laughs> which I find all the time. And not just like a photo op, but like, but like a real commitment to helping people like, like me who want to make a difference, who, who have ideas about how to make a difference. Um, that would be on my wish list as well. Because you know what? When we all do better, we all do better. That's a union logo, but I really, I really like that. Number two, what is your origin story and how did it make you who you are? So I was seven years old when Star Wars came out. So obviously it had a huge impact on my life from a very early age. And I never wanted to be the, the girl with the complicated hairstyle, like handing out awards. Like I wanted to be Luke. And I felt that at a very young age that 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 was my destiny was to 
get off this rock. And it's kind of funny. I was living in Hawaii in the time and, and remember having, having these thoughts, you know, standing on a beach, you know, someday I'm going to get out of here. But, but it's true. I think to me, it was um, escaping maybe the conditions of my birth, you know, like the expectations of what I was supposed to be, which was like married with kids in the car. And, and, you know, that was kind of what the expectation was at the time. Uh, and I did not meet those expectations. <laughs> I was the weird girl wearing the Rebel Alliance flight suit to school, nowhere near Halloween. That was me. I was a weirdo all my life. And uh, <laughs> I remember being in like maybe third grade when I realized that, that not everyone looked at their life like that. Like not everyone thought that their life was special or, or that they could change the world. And um, so I felt really isolated and I had to develop an imagination. And I became obsessed with the Constitution <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> yeah, the Constitution of the United States, like at a very early age, I was like the kid off in the playground, like memorizing the, the preamble. I was a weird child, but I think it was because I was a military brat. And so I was told from a, a very early age that my dad had taken this vow um, to protect and uphold the Constitution. And so clearly the Constitution meant more than me and America meant more than me. And so that was kind of like the the way that I was raised, the environment that I was raised in. And then, you know, 20 years later, I'm walking for the First Amendment. So it kind of makes sense when you look at it that way. So that's my origin story. Number three, favorite real superheroes. Oh my gosh, I could fill up many, many podcasts with with just ordinary people that I've met. But one of my favorites was uh, Corbin Harney, who was the spiritual leader of the Western Shoshone people. And I'd taken kind of a side trip when I was doing my walk from Salt Lake City with some people that were doing a peace camp at the Nevada nuclear test site. <clears throat> and so Corbin would do these sunrise ceremonies every morning <laughs> before the sun would come up and we'd have to gather the wood and go around the fire and, and like kind of shuffle in a circle holding hands around this fire and Corbin would sing uh, this song and he would bless all the directions and bless all the food and 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 you know in my mind <laughs> I'm tired I need coffee and we're like shuffling around in a circle and just like get it over with come on but but then we had a conversation about it and about my I don't know I guess my anxiety and he said, I'll never forget, he said, just speak your truth, always. And so now I have to, <laughs> because that's what Corbin Harney told me. And um, whenever I get down about my problems, I think about the fact that here was this man who was living, his home, his ancestral home was the most heavily bombed place on earth. <laughs> and and yet he he always felt such a kinship with all of the animals and he would point out you know the snakes and the sage and and the rocks and like everything had this energy um the water unfortunately was going to be poisoned for like thousands of years but um it, at this time they were trying to to bury nuclear waste at yucca mountain and uh, i think they're trying to do that again but at the time it seemed pretty inevitable and you know, I would look at them and just kind of feel so sorry for them. You know, they're working so hard and and uh, trying to get 
the the ears of these politicians that just would not listen to them at all. And I felt bad. And he would look at me and he'd just say, we're going to win. There's no doubt. I mean, there's just no other possibility. And you know what? They did. They did. He was my hero. He passed away a few years back, but um, he does have, a, I think, a couple of books and CDs out. Um, you should check it out. Corbin Harney. So those are my three questions, and um, this is a listener-driven show, so please get a hold of me on Twitter or here and give me your questions. Have a great day.